There are four things the master is entirely free. He had no foregone conclusions, no arbitrary predeterminations, no obstinacy, no egotism Confucius. How can we be free in our mental perceptions? Anxiety and other mental states don't produce a free mind but a troubled one. Our whole universe is a projection of our brain and mind onto our personal reality. Was Confucius right about having no conclusions? What does it mean acceptance of the authentic self with the ego? Psychology and science say the human brain has two systems that work in synchronicity when functioning correctly. System 1 function is intuitive emotive system and system 2 is the rational analytical system. One reference said, according to the theory of left brain or right brain dominance, each side of the brain controls different types of thinking. The article continued people are said to prefer one type of thinking over the other. For example, a person who is left-brained is often said to be more logical, analytical, and objective. A person who is right-brained is said to be more intuitive, thoughtful, and subjective. The book Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman book has loads of data and science that explains in more detail on how two systems of the brain work. I read it several years ago and excuse the pun it made me think. The website 4 Minutes Books have a great overview of the book as my memory is not that linear. Here is a summary help you understand his theory. It says your behavior is determined by two systems in your mind, I would say brain, one conscious and the other automatic. Your brain is lazy and thus keeps you from using the full power of your intelligence. One good point when you're making decisions about money, leave your emotions at home. The article continues System 1 is automatic and impulsive. System 1 is a remnant from our past, and it's crucial to our survival. Not having to think before jumping away from a car when it honks at you is quite useful, don't you think? System 2 is very conscious, aware, and considerate. System 2 is one of the most recent additions to our brain and only a few thousand years old. It's what helps us succeed in today's world, where our priorities have shifted from getting food and shelter to earning money, supporting a family, and making many complex decisions. Freudian psychological concept of the brain function is complex to explain so again I'll use the expert's explanation to clarify in simple terms his theory. The Britannica says the it is the animal part of the personality, an unconscious drive to have lots of sex, survive, and thrive. It urges you to push in and eat your weight in cake. The ego is where the conscious mind lies. It's lumbered with the tricky job of satisfying the id's wild desires in a realistic and socially acceptable way. The human brain is the receiver of our earthly life drives our behavior in a dualist perspective because we live in a dualistic society perspective especially in the West. This has limited interpretations because we don't know all the workings of what is ultimate truth because we are viewing life through the lens of a limited human being. Confucius rightly said thousands of years ago he had no foregone conclusions, no arbitrary predeterminations, no obstinacy, no egotism. When you read his works, his disciples are often in a quandary of so-and-so behavior and ask for clarification as either this or that. The Chinese philosophy of yin and yang appear as opposites from Westerner perspective, but they are the complete picture or whole. For example, yin represents passive energy where the yang represents positive or active energy. Both complement each other as a whole. Imagine the heating system of a house was constantly on hot, the energy would make life in a country that had alternating seasons difficult to live. In a similar fashion the amazing brain must have the opposites to correlate the benefit of the organism comfortably of yin and yang the complete Tao. I constantly hear and read that the ego is on the one hand an enemy of the self or the other hand it is a primary driver to be successful. 
I was listening to a very interesting book recently written by psychologists that promotes spiritual practice with psychological practices. I am not against spirituality but sometimes indoctrination saying that something is the absolute is nonsensical and has limiting belief not the potential. The reasoning and emotive concepts were good in the book, but my authentic self was tugging against my soul. I had the idea of writing about the ego and acceptance before reading the book but it was brought into my awareness as important subject to explore in more detail. The ego can be your friend or foe or more accurately master or servant. There are many different theories on what the ego is. For simplicity and from my perspective the ego is you as a human being on this planet living from a life of human experiences operated in the brain. The ego has limited perception it is not the mind. The ego is not the authentic self or soul because the real you are not an abstract thing it is a part of consciousness connected to the whole universe. It is very difficult to define what consciousness is in human terms but again for simplify we can call it the soul that uses the human body as a vehicle. To accept a person for who they are is divine. Namaste common greeting is when two devout Hindus meet recognizing the person is the same origin of divinity. The concepts of who we are where we come from has its roots in many religious teachings as divine source. Ironically the atheist must admit that we all come from the same source, substance, matter, basically the Big Bang or the alternative theory of the steady-state universe. This is another complex debate who and what the scientists and philosophers as well as the religious teachers endeavor to explain. You could go make the equation of self even more divergent with the concept of I and me, the self in the context of consciousness. Phenomenology is a philosophy of human experience, I would say different states of consciousness and awareness. That is another dimension to explore. When you practice meditation regularly you are conscious of your thoughts and feelings. This raises the question who is observing the thoughts you or the observer? This is a motive for some scientists and others. All our experiences are subjective but consciousness or the mind can influence the thoughts. For example, when enter a room you can feel the emotion sometimes even though there are no cues. The saying are you on the same wavelength is a common expression illustrating an unspoken thought but is understood in the mind. Here are several examples to illustrate that consciousness is not limited to the brain. I was married for over 20 years and we, me and Kate, could identify with each other's thoughts at times. The synchronicity with a dear friend of mine, I call him the Wizard of Ashburton is a regular occurrence despite him living about 25 miles away. Another friend experiences we would pick up on each other vibes and have new insights in synchronicity living separately. Finally, to emphasize the point that the mind is consciousness here is another personal example. Several weeks ago, I went shopping with my 16-year-old daughter, it's not my favorite pastime but was happy to spend time with her. She dragged me into the clothes shops, and I was not in the shopping zone. I was totally chilled like a zombie allowing my mind to wander with no fixed destination. It came into my awareness of random ideas and thoughts like Sherlock Holmes and in synchronicity my daughter said she was thinking about that despite me being in a different part of the shop. I followed her without thought not paying attention, walking meditation you could say, and I kept picking up her random thoughts in synchronicity, eventually it did spook at her a bit, so I became totally present and stopped. I would say that the complex self has two distinguishing parts, the ego and the authentic self. The dogmatism that the ego is the enemy or to transcend the ego gives the ego a negative representation. This is a dualistic dilemma because to classify it as a substate or total negative idea limits its possibilities. To say a Neanderthal or a Stone Age individual to kill the ego or transcend the ego is nonsensical because humanity wouldn't be here without it. 
I would be grateful living in an early community where some men egos motivated them to slay the dinosaurs or the enemy providing me with scraps of food. In my research of psychopaths, they are driven by ego. According to Robert Hare, Psychopathy Checklist, psychopaths have a narcissistic and incredibly inflated view of their own importance and self-worth. They have huge egos. In today's modern society we need egos for them to be absorbed and focused to get difficult and complex demands of the greater good delivered. This leads to the next question is my ego a friend or my foe? The ego or animistic drive can be your friend to save your child at all costs when there is a threat, but the animal needs to be trained. The ego and psychopaths dives their behavior to extremes strangling the authentic self-lacking empathy for others. If you could master the ego, then accepting the authentic self will shine brightly throughout the world. Accepting the authentic self will put the ego in its proper place. The human brain can be subservient to the ego because of its dualistic human experiences. I know I was there for most of my life, fire and brimstone at one end and love and affection at the other end. The ego drove me to do amazing things but at what cost and was it really me or a false persona? I was labeled with ADHD by some, outspoken, relentless, workaholic etc. But was that the real authentic Steve or the ego? I can honestly look back at my life and say for over 45 years of my life I wasn't self-aware I was driven by the ego to be the best of this and that at all costs. I am not saying I have perfected it now, but if I have total trained the ego there would be no reason for me to keep learning hence the role of the ego. How to control the ego allowing the authentic self to shine. I would say self-compassion is a great gauge to measure the true self. The ego may motivate you to do this or that but ask the question to yourself, does the authentic self, want to do this and at what cost? Am I happy pursuing this? How does this compare to a compassionate reaction? Explore some of ego outlook to compassionate outlook with examples. The ego likes to be recognized as number one or have validation. Compassion recognizes we have limitations, and we are part of a bigger picture or whole. The what ego can't discriminate it has to be right. This is dualistic thinking, black and white thinking rather than gestalt thinking. Compassion recognizes we could be wrong and adjust to a better way of thinking or doing things. A. The ego is earthly and fleshly in its vision. We all need material things to exist as Abraham Maslow says hierarchy of needs not hierarchy of wants. Compassion would say I have enough why do I keep consuming or buying this? The ego wants to live at all costs, the illusion of control. Compassion recognizes that life and death are part of the whole. Compassion goes with the flow of life and accepts who and where we are in the stream of time. There are four things the master is entirely free. He had no foregone conclusions, no arbitrary predeterminations, no obstinacy, no egotism Confucius. How can we be free in our mental perceptions? Anxiety and other mental states don't produce a free mind but a troubled one. Our whole universe is a projection of our brain and mind onto our personal reality. Was Confucius right about having no conclusions? What does it mean acceptance of the authentic self with the ego? Psychology and science say the human brain has two systems that work in synchronicity when functioning correctly. System 1 function is intuitive emotive system and system 2 is the rational analytical system. One reference said, according to the theory of left brain or right brain dominance, each side of the brain controls different types of thinking. The article continued people are said to prefer one type of thinking over the other. For example, a person who is left-brained is often said to be more logical, analytical, and objective. A person who is right-brained is said to be more intuitive, 
thoughtful, and subjective. The book Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman book has loads of data and science that explains in more detail on how two systems of the brain work. I read it several years ago and excuse the pun it made me think. The website 4 Minutes Books have a great overview of the book as my memory is not that linear. Here is a summary help you understand his theory. It says your behavior is determined by two systems in your mind, I would say brain, one conscious and the other automatic. Your brain is lazy and thus keeps you from using the full power of your intelligence. One good point when you're making decisions about money, leave your emotions at home. The article continues System 1 is automatic and impulsive. System 1 is a remnant from our past, and it's crucial to our survival. Not having to think before jumping away from a car when it honks at you is quite useful, don't you think? System 2 is very conscious, aware, and considerate. System 2 is one of the most recent additions to our brain and only a few thousand years old. It's what helps us succeed in today's world, where our priorities have shifted from getting food and shelter to earning money, supporting a family, and making many complex decisions. Freudian psychological concept of the brain function is complex to explain so again I'll use the expert's explanation to clarify in simple terms his theory. The Britannica says the it is the animal part of the personality, an unconscious drive to have lots of sex, survive, and thrive. It urges you to push in and eat your weight in cake. The ego is where the conscious mind lies. It's lumbered with the tricky job of satisfying the id's wild desires in a realistic and socially acceptable way. The human brain is the receiver of our earthly life drives our behavior in a dualist perspective because we live in a dualistic society perspective especially in the West. This has limited interpretations because we don't know all the workings of what is ultimate truth because we are viewing life through the lens of a limited human being. Confucius rightly said thousands of years ago he had no foregone conclusions, no arbitrary predeterminations, no obstinacy, no egotism. When you read his works, his disciples are often in a quandary of so-and-so behavior and ask for clarification as either this or that. The Chinese philosophy of yin and yang appear as opposites from Westerner perspective, but they are the complete picture or whole. For example, yin represents passive energy where the yang represents positive or active energy. Both complement each other as a whole. Imagine the heating system of a house was constantly on hot, the energy would make life in a country that had alternating seasons difficult to live. In a similar fashion the amazing brain must have the opposites to correlate the benefit of the organism comfortably of yin and yang a complete Tao. I constantly hear and read that the ego is on the one hand an enemy of the self or the other hand it is a primary driver to be successful. I was listening to a very interesting book recently written by psychologists that promotes spiritual practice with psychological practices. I am not against spirituality but sometimes indoctrination saying that something is the absolute is nonsensical and has limiting belief not the potential. The reasoning and emotive concepts were good in the book, but my authentic self was tugging against my soul. I had the idea of writing about the ego and acceptance before reading the book but it was brought into my awareness as important subject to explore in more detail. The ego can be your friend or foe or more accurately master or servant. There are many different theories on what the ego is. For simplicity and from my perspective the ego is you as a human being on this planet living from a life of human experiences operated in the brain. The ego has limited perception it is not the mind. The ego is not the authentic self or soul because the real you are not an abstract thing it is a part of consciousness connected to the whole universe. 
It is very difficult to define what consciousness is in human terms but again for simplify we can call it the soul that uses the human body as a vehicle. To accept a person for who they are is divine. Namaste common greeting is when two devout Hindus meet recognizing the person is the same origin of divinity. The concepts of who we are where we come from has its roots in many religious teachings as divine source. Ironically the atheist must admit that we all come from the same source, substance, matter, basically the Big Bang or the alternative theory of the steady-state universe. This is another complex debate who and what the scientists and philosophers as well as the religious teachers endeavor to explain. You could go make the equation of self even more divergent with the concept of I and me, the self in the context of consciousness. Phenomenology is a philosophy of human experience, I would say different states of consciousness and awareness. That is another dimension to explore. When you practice meditation regularly you are conscious of your thoughts and feelings. This raises the question who is observing the thoughts you or the observer? This is a motive for some scientists and others. All our experiences are subjective but consciousness or the mind can influence the thoughts. For example, when enter a room you can feel the emotion sometimes even though there are no cues. The saying are you on the same wavelength is a common expression illustrating an unspoken thought but is understood in the mind. Here are several examples to illustrate that consciousness is not limited to the brain. I was married for over 20 years and we, me and Kate, could identify with each other's thoughts at times. The synchronicity with a dear friend of mine, I call him the Wizard of Ashburton is a regular occurrence despite him living about 25 miles away. Another friend experiences we would pick up on each other vibes and have new insights in synchronicity living separately. Finally, to emphasize the point that the mind is consciousness here is another personal example. Several weeks ago, I went shopping with my 16-year-old daughter, it's not my favorite pastime but was happy to spend time with her. She dragged me into the clothes shops, and I was not in the shopping zone. I was totally chilled like a zombie allowing my mind to wander with no fixed destination. It came into my awareness of random ideas and thoughts like Sherlock Holmes and in synchronicity my daughter said she was thinking about that despite me being in a different part of the shop. I followed her without thought not paying attention, walking meditation you could say, and I kept picking up her random thoughts in synchronicity, eventually it did spook at her a bit, so I became totally present and stopped. I would say that the complex self has two distinguishing parts, the ego and the authentic self. The dogmatism that the ego is the enemy or to transcend the ego gives the ego a negative representation. This is a dualistic dilemma because to classify it as a substate or total negative idea limits its possibilities. To say a Neanderthal or a Stone Age individual to kill the ego or transcend the ego is nonsensical because humanity wouldn't be here without it. I would be grateful living in an early community where some men egos motivated them to slay the dinosaurs or the enemy providing me with scraps of food. In my research of psychopaths, they are driven by ego. According to Robert Hare, Psychopathy Checklist, psychopaths have a narcissistic and incredibly inflated view of their own importance and self-worth. They have huge egos. In today's modern society we need egos for them to be absorbed and focused to get difficult and complex demands of the greater good delivered. This leads to the next question is my ego a friend or my foe? The ego or animistic drive can be your friend to save your child at all costs when there is a threat, but the animal needs to be trained. The ego in psychopaths dives their behavior to extreme strangling the authentic self lacking empathy for others. If you could master the ego, then accepting the authentic self will shine brightly throughout the world. 
Accepting the authentic self will put the ego in its proper place. The human brain can be subservient to the ego because of its dualistic human experiences. I know I was there for most of my life, fire and brimstone at one end and love and affection at the other end. The ego drove me to do amazing things but at what cost and was it really me or a false persona? I was labeled with ADHD by some, outspoken, relentless, workaholic etc. But was that the real authentic Steve or the ego? I can honestly look back at my life and say for over 45 years of my life I wasn't self-aware I was driven by the ego to be the best of this and that at all costs. I am not saying I have perfected it now, but if I have total trained the ego there would be no reason for me to keep learning hence the role of the ego. How to control the ego allowing the authentic self to shine. I would say self-compassion is a great gauge to measure the true self. The ego may motivate you to do this or that but ask the question to yourself, does the authentic self, want to do this and at what cost? Am I happy pursuing this? How does this compare to a compassionate reaction? Explore some of ego outlook to compassionate outlook with examples. The ego likes to be recognized as number one or have validation. Compassion recognizes we have limitations, and we are part of a bigger picture or whole. The ego can't discriminate it has to be right. This is dualistic thinking, black and white thinking rather than gestalt thinking. Compassion recognizes we could be wrong and adjust to a better way of thinking or doing things. The ego is earthly and fleshly in its vision. We all need material things to exist as Abraham Maslow says hierarchy of needs not hierarchy of wants. Compassion would say I have enough why do I keep consuming or buying this? The ego wants to live at all costs, the illusion of control. Compassion recognizes that life and death are part of the whole. Compassion goes with the flow of life and accepts who and where we are in the stream of time. The ego is restricted by linear time frames. The motivations of the ego come from past experiences or future expectations. Compassion focuses on the present and accepts you and others at that moment with no judgments. This is probably one of the hardest to master because we live in a dualistic world governed by time and space as an earthly being. When you step outside to another reality time and space is just a concept that restricts human experience. Recognizing we are part of the whole, the universe, nothing limits consciousness not even time and space. This is a very deep concept that the ego can't digest because of the fear of the unknown and death. In conclusion accepting who you are at any given time will give you immense psychological freedom. Remember our friend Confucius who was part of our consciousness said there are four things the master is entirely free. He had no foregone conclusions, no arbitrary predeterminations, no obstinacy, no egotism. The ego is restricted by linear time frames. The motivations of the ego come from past experiences or future expectations. Compassion focuses on the present and accepts you and others at that moment with no judgments. This is probably one of the hardest to master because we live in a dualistic world governed by time and space as an earthly being. When you step outside to another reality time and space is just a concept that restricts human experience. Recognizing we are part of the whole, the universe, nothing limits consciousness not even time and space. This is a very deep concept that the ego can't digest because of the fear of the unknown and death. In conclusion accepting who you are at any given time will give you immense psychological freedom. Remember our friend Confucius who was part of our consciousness said there are four things the master is entirely free. He had no foregone conclusions, no arbitrary predeterminations, no obstinacy, no egotism. Hope you enjoyed this episode.
It may have been that revealing to the way we interact with the world and hopefully it will uh, highlight the ego's role in your personal life. So as a concluding message from me as a champion of compassion, so don't judge yourself. And as soon as you notice that you are making judgments about yourself and your friends or the reality, it's probably coming from the ego. So put that animal away to one side and be your authentic self. And I'm sure uh, you will be a lot happier uh, when the ego is your friend and not your foe. Mm -hmm.